0: we need to be a great partner not only during the good times but during the rough times as well and realize that it's it's a really tough and scary experience to be a parent and let's experience that together rather than comparing our experiences or trying to one-up each other.
1: Welcome back to The Whole Mamas Podcast. We're here to give you tools, resources, and evidence-based information so you can make the best decisions for yourself and your family whether you're trying to conceive or are navigating life with a toddler or a teenager we've got you covered i'm stephanie grinky registered dietitian and program director for whole mamas club i'm also the co-creator of whole mamas pregnancy program where we teach you how to navigate the endless decisions regarding your pregnancy and my co-host is dr ilana romel pediatric naturopathic doctor and creator of med school for moms an online resource where she teaches moms how to safely be a doctor mom Okay, but is it safe for me because I'm pregnant or I'm nursing? This is a question you've been asking about RASA, the adaptogenic coffee alternative. It's a tough question to answer because, like most supplements, when it comes to pregnancy and postpartum, there just isn't a lot of straightforward answers. But here's what I will say. Rasa was created by a mama who wanted something that could help her cope with the stressors of motherhood and energize her without caffeinating her little one who was nursing. She spoke to multiple herbalists and a Chinese medicine practitioner, and they all saw no major contraindications, including pregnancy and breastfeeding. The two primary Ayurvedic herbs in this formula, ashwagandha and Shadavari, are often used by herbalists and Ayurvedic practitioners to support lactation and a mama's overall well-being. I personally would feel comfortable using this herbal blend while nursing. However, the official FDA-sanctioned answer is that Rasa is not safe for pregnancy or breastfeeding since there just isn't enough information about several of the herbs in it to meet FDA criteria for safety. Some mamas feel called to use it regardless because it has a lower pH than coffee and sits better for them due to their heartburn or nausea. Other mamas are willing to try anything for a boost in energy to help them mom. So what do you do? You have to listen to your body, trust your gut, and continue working with your provider when it comes to supplements during pregnancy and postpartum. If you're feeling unsure or have a more complicated situation, it may be best to wait, especially if you're in the first trimester. It's a good time to wait on any kind of herbal supplements. What isn't under debate, though, is the fact that it's a really delicious option that was brilliantly designed to help you bring your body back into balance while giving you the energy you need to check off that endless to-do list. Are you interested in trying it for yourself? We have a special discount code for you. Head over to We Are Rasa, that's R-A-S-A, and use code HOMEMAMAS at checkout for 20% off your first order for new customers only. Now before we begin the episode with Dr. Brandon Edie, I want to point out that at Home Mamas we recognize there are lots of different configurations when it comes to parenting and caretaking. While this particular episode does indeed focus on paternal fathers, this is only because the expert conducted his research in this area. This issue also affects stepfathers, boyfriends, girlfriends, live-in partners. Wives of wives, you get it. The point of this episode is really to hone in on and raise awareness around the huge change that comes with parenting in an effort to build on an already ongoing conversation that focuses solely on mothers. There's also a section where the term heteronormal was used. I want to reassure you that that what was meant was a tendency towards heteronormative. And the reason this was not edited out was because we didn't want you to lose the context of the rest of the answer. But again, we are aware of the importance of language when it comes to keeping this conversation inclusive, so I thought this was important to call out. All right, now on to the conversation with Dr. Edie. I am so excited and honored that you accepted my invitation to come on our podcast to share about loss and postpartum depression from a father's perspective. So thank you for being here, Dr. Edie.
0: Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome.
1: You know, this topic is unfortunately under discussed and many people don't even realize that dads can experience depression after a loss or after having a baby. And as an assistant professor, you have years of experience in this area teaching and doing research to help us understand what this looks like in dads and how we can support the dads in our life and strengthen our relationships after baby. But before we dive into all this really important information, I need to ask yourself our opening question, which is how did you nourish yourself today?
0: Well, that's a good question. and uh, It makes me reflect on what I haven't done today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so no, I my day was consisting of rushing out the door and, and getting ready to teach a practicum course to uh, marriage and family therapy students. And so I haven't had the opportunity to do that. Uh, however, one of my favorite things to do on campus is to take a walk uh, in the afternoons to kind of uh, break up the monotony of the day. And so I think after we're done here, I'll probably take a, a stroll around campus to, to take care of myself.
1: I, I love that. I love your honesty and also, Part of the reason why we do the Nourish Yourself segment is selfishly because Ilana and I need that reminder to do something for ourselves, too. There are times where we get ready to <laughs> record the the interview or, or recap, and we're like, oh, what what are we doing? What should we do? So that's totally normal, and I'm, I'm glad you were able to, to talk about what you're going to be doing today to take care of yourself. Uh, for me, I'm actually working out of a co-working space today. This is something new for me. I have been working at home for the last, gosh, like six to eight years i don't even know at this point and i just dropped my son off at a forest kindergarten so he's going to be going to school and about 20 minutes away and instead of driving there and back and there and back and with san diego traffic that could be almost two hours in the car i decided to skip the traffic and skip the stress and just find a co-working space to work out of so that is where i'm at right now and i love it i love being around people and actually having to do a little bit of something with myself during the day instead of wearing pajamas at work all day So let's get into the the episode because we had a lot of really great questions from our community, and there's so much that I want to talk to you about and pick your brain about. But let's first back up and talk about who you are and what your background is and what made you decide to focus on the transition to parenthood, specifically postpartum depression and loss.
0: No, that's a great question. I think uh, anytime we specialize in an area, do research in an area, there's usually a personal tie to that. And yeah. it's, it's it's the same with me with postpartum depression. Uh, I was in my undergraduate and we were getting ready to have our first child. And because I was a child and family studies major, I knew that it's important that dads are involved. And so I would go to all the OB appointments with my wife and be really involved as I could throughout the process. And afterwards, three, four, five weeks after the baby was born, my wife just commented about just not feeling right. She felt off. She consistently felt down and depressed and didn't feel like she was bonding with our, with our baby. And so we talked about that and, and decided that she should go in and see someone. And that's when we went in and she got diagnosed with postpartum depression. And we both reflected on that process about how, you know, I'd been so involved and, and, we talked to doctors and nurses, and nobody had ever brought that up. We were totally blindsided by postpartum depression, by what it was, and, and the symptoms and all that. And so me being in school and, and needing something to study, I decided to, you know, I'm going to make this my my thing. Um, I'm going to become a guru in, in postpartum depression and in that transition to parenthood. And it, ever since then, it's uh, nine years later, uh, I'm, I'm still studying it.
1: You know, I think that that's really powerful being able to take that own personal experience and be able to share from a place of understanding the research for sure, but also understanding it from that deep, intimate level. And we've talked about postpartum depression a lot of times on the show from the perspective of a mom. And I've shared my postpartum anxiety and and all of that, but we haven't really heard about it from the perspective of a dad. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, what was that like for you, seeing your wife go through postpartum depression and not knowing what to do or or where to go to to help her?
0: I would say it was a very helpless feeling. You know, I I stepped in as much as I could and was taking charge and trying to help with feedings uh, and take care of the baby and, and put him down and, and be really as active as I can and, and still while going to school and work. and But it was helpless. It was like she was struggling with something and, and I could listen. But. I felt like I I just couldn't fix it and, and I couldn't help her in a way that I wanted to. And, and that's why I suggested to, well, let's go see somebody and let's, you know, let's see if this is supposed to happen, if this is right. And, uh, we ended up being referred to, to a therapist and I ended up going to therapy sessions with her. And I found that was extremely beneficial because I could understand her more, her experience and, and how I could help her. Um, and so going to couples counseling for that was, was a great thing to do.
1: Yeah. And I think was the fact that you were interested in this, this area professionally uh, easier for you to get therapy? Cause I know sometimes it's, it's hard enough for a mom to sometimes go to get therapy because we don't think that we need it or the expense or the time or the resources. But I know it's really hard for, for fathers and for, for dads and men in general to go seek therapy in that way. So how was that hard for you or was that an easy? Um,
0: I think it was easy for me personally, just because I just wanted to do whatever I could. Uh, It was her therapist who actually called me and said, well, you come in and will you you sit in in this and and listen to her experience and support her? And and I thought, great. I mean, this is something I can actively do to help her through this experience and to be a support for her. And so I was more than willing to come in and and, uh, just support her and hold her hand and uh sit next to her as she you know as the therapist talk to her
1: and i think it's important to note too it's so important that you are also getting therapy as a partner because what we know is that when we're looking at dads and and the risk factors for postpartum depression one of the major risk factors is having a partner with postpartum depression
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely it was that, that therapist did a great job as well. I mean, I remember coming in and, and he asked me because I thought it was all going to be focused on her. And I'm like, yeah, I could do that, right? But then he turns to me and says, well, how are you doing? And that really took me back. I, mm. I'm like, oh, I don't even think about myself. What are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, But it made me reflect on the experience and be like, no, this, this has been hard, you know, trying to pick up the slack and take care of her and the baby and myself, it it was difficult. So for me going in, even though it was initially for her, it it quickly turned in for coming for us uh, and to be a good support to both of us.
1: You know, I think that's so interesting that you say that too, because when I talk to couples about this or if I'm talking to somebody and they meet me and they're like what do you do and I talk about postpartum depression and in couples and they're like well what do you mean like isn't it's just like a mom thing and I talk to them about no it actually can occur in dads and oftentimes what I get is just like this blank look from the dad and they're like oh my gosh like tell me more about this because I think I had that and it's because it's not talked about and I think until somebody opens up that conversation or normalizes the fact that it can happen in dads, we kind of just go through the motions and the adrenaline is running. And we're just so focused on either helping the other person or getting through life that we don't think about how we're doing. So, you know, the fact that you were just kind of blindsided by that question shows a lot to the fact that, you know, we really need to be talking about this and making sure that both both sides of the story are heard so let's talk about how common this is so what is the the rate right now that we're seeing for postpartum depression in dads and then also how does it look differently in men than it does in women because i know there are some very distinct characteristics mm-hmm.
0: yeah the number right now according to i would say most researchers is right around 10 percent. i personally think that that's low um i mean it, we know that it's underreported and we know that it's under screened so to me of course it's going to be under diagnosed many men don't even know it's a thing many moms and dads don't even know it's a thing and so for me i would say it's it, the reported numbers ten percent. Uh, i would say i don't know personally i think it's probably closer to 15 20 percent you know we know things like that are always under reported in terms of how it looks differently I think that many of the of the same feelings are there with the not connecting to baby and and the depression and and you know being down and um, not finding joy in things the difficulty sleeping. I think that they experience a lot of the same things, but it presents itself differently. A lot of the research shows that men are isolators, so men are going to tend to withdraw from these situations. Um, you know, they might withdraw into work or in video games or in some other hobby and so they're going to to tend to almost withdraw and create distance between themselves and their family and that's going to be a big indicator that something is wrong with that at that point
1: yeah and if, if if dad is pulling away that really impacts the entire family you know if if dad is coping with this depression or anxiety by not helping out that makes it harder on mom and and the the dad and the baby aren't connecting and it just really does impact the entire family and so that's why this is really a family consideration not just something that we need to think about for moms i mean thank goodness we're getting more information and more attention about moms but i feel like dads get left in the shadow and so that's why i'm so excited to have you here and you know when when we're looking at this postpartum period what when are we usually seeing this pop up or present in dads when are they actually starting like this, the accumulation of the feelings and the stress is adding up and they're they're really exhibiting these signs and symptoms.
0: You know, I, I think it usually takes around three, four weeks, somewhere around there for things to really pile up. Uh, a lot of couples have a lot of help initially after. It's very common for mm-hmm. in-laws or your parents to come and visit after for the first couple of weeks and, and really help out. And so even if you're, working, you know, you have a lighter load at home and you have people there supporting and asking how you're doing. And it's really after that stage when the dust kind of settles and it's just you and your partner and baby. And that's really when it starts to pile up. You don't have so much help and support, and and people aren't necessarily bringing over meals anymore or reaching out as much. And it starts to pile up. You're like, oh, I I go to work and I'm trying to support this way. And now I come home and, and it doesn't end. I don't get a break when I come home. I have to, you know. Check on the other kids, or take care of baby, or uh, and then you're losing sleep, and all that stuff just keeps adding up and piling on, and, and pretty soon you're completely overwhelmed, and your ability to function goes downhill from there. And so, I would say it starts to get really common one to two months afterwards. That's when a lot of uh, I would say my my clients reach out to me is about in that time period.
1: And you know, I think we we're, when we're looking at this postpartum depression in dads, I think one of the common misconceptions is that, well, dads can't hap- have it because they don't go through all of the hormonal changes that mom does, you know, the the significant drop in estrogen or progesterone. And so wh- how could this even be a thing? I mean, that's what I often hear. So, <laughs> so. But I, w- I want to talk to you about, like, are there hormonal changes that happen to dads after baby comes? And if not, what what factors contribute to the depression amongst dads? you talked about, you know, the sleep deprivation and, and all the responsibilities, but like, what is, what's the context of what's happening here?
0: So there's a lot going on. Even, even with moms, it's not just hormones. It's right. a nation of social factors and, you know, biological factors. Um, and there is a couple different studies out there that are newer studies that have shown that men do have a drop in testosterone, um, associated with postpartum depression. So they've, they've done studies on depressed fathers and found they have lower levels of testosterone um, which was kind of mind-blowing for uh, for that research to come out to show that now men do have hormonal changes as well but it because it's not just hormones, and it's a combination of, you know, social support. Um, how am I getting along with my partner? What is the temperament of my baby? Um, you know, or do I have family and friends reaching out? Uh, there's so many factors that, that 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 play into postpartum depression that it's it, it's not just one thing. It's it's a combination of many things
1: yeah and with that lower testosterone lower testosterone has been correlated with poor mental health too so you know mm-hmm. it's it's a good thing that they're experiencing low testosterone in one way because it helps with the bond and the attachment to baby and, and almost like them being more gentle and, and careful around baby but also it does impact their mental health and I know in your research you identified six themes for fathers experiencing postpartum depression and I'd love to touch base on what that looked like in your research like what are
0: those six themes? Okay, so the, the six themes, we categorize a bunch of different statements and stories from fathers and came up with yeah, six major categories or themes of, of what it's like to experience this as, as a father. Um, one of the main categories was the lack of education. Many people just don't know it's a thing. Many people are aware of, of maternal postpartum depression, but don't have any idea that men can get it. And so that was a common factor in, in many of our fathers. Um, for many of our fathers, it was also gender expectations. They felt that they had to adhere to these expectations of of what it's like to be a man. So we hear, you know, tough it up, stiff upper lip, you know, be a man. And that was, to them, it was a message that even if I am feeling these things, it doesn't matter, um, which leads right into our theme of suppressing feelings. So a lot of men are able to recognize that something is wrong. Like things aren't right here. However, I need to push this down. My, my job as a husband, as a father, is to be supportive, not be supported by others. Um, and so there's just suppressing feelings. Uh, another theme would be overwhelmed. So we talked about all those things piling up, work piles up, Um, and for some people, school piles up, and taking care of baby and other kids you might have, uh, lack of sleep, uh, really a lack of of self-care and time for yourself, and it really just becomes this overbearing burden to carry. Uh, Another one would be resentment of baby. So a lot of our fathers spoke about how they just saw their baby as like this oozy bundle of need and just constantly one thing after another and so they grew to resent their baby or even hate their baby and despise their baby in some cases um which was sad a lot of the fathers said you know what what father wants to despise his baby or, or think about hurting his baby and then the last main theme was the experience of neglect so a lot of these men talk about feeling neglected by their partner by family and friends you know family and friends will come over and they'll say how is mom doing how is baby doing but they don't ask how i'm doing they talk about the healthcare field neglecting them how they'll go to visits or they'll be in the delivery nobody acknowledges them and asks for their contributions or help or how they're doing in general and so really just this neglect from society in general about what this this experiences like to transition to parenthood for men.
1: You know, as you are explaining these things my heart is just like Oh, it, it, I, I'm thinking about all of these things that the men in our life are experiencing as they transition to to fathers and all of the kind of negative stereotypes that we give to dads about, oh, they're not helping and they can't put the diaper on right. And, you know, just kind of putting them down in a way without without considering everything that's going on in their world, too. It just really what you talked about there helps us put ourselves in their shoes a little bit and understand that this is such a significant significant change for the entire family and we really need to be giving each other enough grace and getting the support that We need for this transition before baby comes and after baby comes and as we go through major changes in child development, too Because it's constantly changing Our, our role is constantly changing so the another thing I was thinking as you're going through those themes is that these are really deep and really hard thoughts to sit with and for men, oftentimes they don't have an outlet to talk about or explore these these thoughts that they have in their head. They're maybe afraid to talk to their friends about it because they don't want to be looked upon as like, oh, you're weak or or they don't go to therapy because of whatever reason. Um, and just, I guess we're not having these conversations as much as I would like to see in the media and general public. And so that's gotta be really hard. Right. And that's just another reason why therapy and a lot of the free resources that postpartum support international has like the dad's groups and dad's chats. And, and that is so helpful.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I more often than not, when. Um, a dad comes in to me for whether it's um, loss after a miscarriage or whether it's postpartum depression or any type of grief, uh, I have to say more often than not, it's his partner reaching out to me first and contacting me and say, hey, you know, my my husband, my partner, my boyfriend is really struggling. What what should I do here? And more often than not, I'm like, well, why don't you come in with him? Why don't you come in and share this experience together? And I find that that is, is really effective for getting fathers in there and, and getting men in there is um, they need to feel like that their feelings are valid and that they do matter. And that what they are experiencing is real and it's, and it's worth talking to someone about.
1: Hey mama, Stephanie here. Are you overwhelmed with all the information out there regarding pregnancy and prenatal health? We get it, so I wanna take a minute to share about our whole mama's pregnancy program. Our program includes over 20 videos discussing topics from nutrition to exercise, mental health, sleep, conversations to have with your partner as you approach birth, and so much more. Each video has suggested reading, action steps, and handouts to help you dive deeper into the topic and apply what you've learned. Our weekly pregnancy emails guide you through the program each week of your pregnancy. They're the only weekly service that focuses on the nutrients you and your growing baby need and provide simple recipes using that unique nutrient. You also get a short checklist of things to do each week to help you prepare for baby and take care of yourself. We want to help you spend more time enjoying your pregnancy and less time searching for answers. Want answers and support to your burning pregnancy related questions immediately from the comfort of your own home? Then you'll love our safe, non judgmental community within the Pregnancy Program. It's my favorite corner of the internet, and many of our members agree. To find out more, visit WholeMamasClub.com and click on Join Programs. So that's one of the questions that we got from our community is, so what do I do? What if I identify that my husband is withdrawing or they seem like they're disengaged in life or they don't enjoy the things that they used to enjoy or they're starting to gamble more or resort to alcohol or they are into pornography or drugs or something excessive that is different from their norm and they're worried about their partner. Or maybe they they went through a loss as a couple and they don't feel like their partner is is grieving um, or expressing these thoughts um, to help them heal? Like, what do we do to help the partners in our life get help or realize that they need help? Is it that we take them to therapy with us and kind of do it as a couple? Or how do we, how do we start this conversation if they don't want to have it?
0: Yeah. I think that if we, I think if we basically say, Hey, you need to get help, (laughs) you know, you need therapy. We, we sometimes not intentionally but unintentionally send the message that this is your problem Mm. you know you're suffering with this and, and go get help for this and come back when you're good um but the more i've seen that partners initiate that and say you know let's go together you know i and and maybe i could use some help too and kind of normalize that like this has been a tough experience for both of us why don't we just go in and talk to someone and it doesn't mean you have to go in and talk to someone for months and months you know i've had dads come in and just two or three sessions, and they're like, wow, like, I didn't think this was going to be helpful, and all it took was two, three sessions, and I feel so much better just getting this out and and talking to someone about it, and so I think one way to encourage them is to, you know, share your own experience. This has been tough on me, too. Why don't we both go in? I think family and friends reaching out, just something as simple as as a phone conversation, going to lunch with someone, um, going to a movie with them, just showing them that, like, you see them and you recognize them and and you see what they're going through. Um, Some men aren't going to open up the very first time. They're going to want to know that you really do care. Um, If men are going to be vulnerable and and share these super intensive, vulnerable emotions, we're not going to just share them with anybody. We want it to be somebody that we know is going to care and isn't necessarily going to think less of us or mock or ridicule us. Um, from one of our, for our fillings. I want one, one story I'll share with you is I had a dad that reached out to me after one of the recent articles came out. And he said this, thank you so much for your research. This is my exact experience. So I actually reached out and told my wife that I think I might have postpartum depression. And he said that when he told his wife that, she told her friends and that her and her friends laughed at him about
1: it. Oh. And my
0: heart broke for him. I was just like, how would that be to share something so personal with someone you love like that and to have them reject that? And so it's easy to see why a lot of men don't reach out and why a lot of men won't let themselves be vulnerable in that way um, for that fear of rejection.
1: I I totally understand that. And I can even see conversations happening in behind closed doors where maybe the dad will start to talk about the stress that he's going through or how hard it is. And then it's almost kind of shrugged off. Um, Like, Oh, well, do you know what I did? And it's almost this competing, like, well, my life is harder than yours type of scenario. And that's not helpful at all. I mean, you're, you're, it's not about who's gaining the most points in like the struggle bus area. It's like how, okay, we're both really struggling, it's not about who's struggling more. It's about, okay, this is a great time for us to get help,
0: yeah. I often tell couples that it's it's not a zero sum game, yeah, there isn't like this piece of like grieving pie. And if I have this piece of pie, it only leaves so much for everyone else. That's you know that's not what it's like at all. it's It's okay if both partners are struggling, and both partners are not coping with the experience well. it's It's something that they should cope with and deal with together. You know, when we agree, think of our marriage vows, right? And for, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. We need to be a great partner, not only during the good times, but during the rough times as well. And realize that it's it's a really tough and scary experience to be a parent. And let's experience that together rather than comparing our experiences or trying to one-up each other.
1: Yes, yeah, so well said. Now, I'm just wondering, for the the dads, for the partners that... maybe we we let them know hey i think couples therapy would be great for us so we can both work on this together but they're still really resistant to getting help or they won't even entertain a conversation about going to therapy or they seem to get upset every time we talk about it or mention it what do we do what do we do there especially if we know that they really are struggling Mm-hmm. What
0: I've seen some um, wives do with this is to say, okay, you know, I know that you might be doing okay with this, but would you come in just to support me? Mm. And that's a great way, because even just hearing that uh, that uh, what their wife is going through, um, because even if she doesn't have postpartum ex- uh, depression at that time, it's, it's still a tough experience. And uh, there's still a lot going on for her. And so I find that, honestly, just getting People in the door to therapy is is something that's great. I've had men that are very resistant at first, uh, but I tell them, you know, come in and, and, and help me support your wife, and then let's talk about how what we can do to help her. And if we kind of turn into a situation of you know what can you do to help and support, a lot of men can get on board with that. It's when we're saying, hey, why don't you come in for you? Because um, sometimes they see that as oh, something's wrong with me. I'm defective. Um, I'm not being a good provider or a good husband, and so. A lot of it is the way is that is how we frame it.
1: And so what happens then? So let's say the, the man goes to therapy and realizes, yeah, like I actually am struggling with depression or anxiety or I'm still navigating what happened after our miscarriage or loss. What does treatment look like? I mean, understanding that it's different for everybody, but is it a lot of like cognitive behavioral therapy? Is our dad's put on medication for postpartum depression? What is what's. What what are common common treatment routes?
0: Um, I mean, yeah, I would say the most common treatment is just coming in and talking about it. Um, for a lot of people, it's just being validated that the experience that they've gone through is is real and it's valid and and it's okay to feel that way. Uh, so, I mean, men are just conditioned from the time we're little boys to, you know, rub some dirt on it, you yeah. know. Get, yeah. get over it. And we're not conditioned to to talk about our feelings. And so letting them know that that's okay to do that is, that's very healing in itself. Um, some dads will require medication as well for a short time. And, and that's okay. I mean, that's very common for mothers as well. Um, for me, I do a lot of solution focused therapy, which um, resonates well, because it's very goal oriented. You know, I, I'll start out with a question such as, You know, what do you want to be different as a result of coming in today? You know, what do you want to improve in your life as a result of coming to therapy? And so they see that as, okay, this is very goals oriented. It's not, I'm just going to share my feelings and, um, and be all emotional. I mean, that happens anyway, but the way I'm framing it is very goals
1: oriented. Yeah, no, that, that definitely would resonate with a lot of the, the guys in my life that I know. They want to be able to, to fix something and have an ultimate goal and to take the action steps needed versus it being kind of all over the place or fluffy or just conversational. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, yeah. one thing I don't want to brush over because I, we were talking about this at the Postpartum Support International conference that I originally met you at, and it was surrounding trauma and in, in the birth room or throughout pregnancy. And what I find just just fascinating, and and it makes sense, but it's not often talked about, so we don't really internalize it or, or think about it. Is that sometimes this can happen? Um, you know, the the depression or the anxiety can happen to to dads who's the mom, moms aren't experiencing depression or anxiety at all, and it could stem from something that happened during the birth or labor delivery where the dad saw that experience as very disempowering or traumatizing. Maybe there was a lot of blood loss or he was fully conscious while the mom was medicated, and things happened in that room that just really stuck with him, and and he's still trying to work through. So this, you know, it can be a very visceral experience for dads, and maybe mom is totally fine, but dad is the one that is still processing all this. So can you talk more about this? Do you work with this, um, with the couples that you talk to, or have you seen this in the research that it could be, you know, dad processing the trauma and mom's mom's totally fine?
0: Oh, absolutely. I actually have a personal experience with this. So oh, interesting. During the the birth of our first child, pregnancy goes well all the way through. And during the labor and delivery, when our son was born, when he came out, the cord was wrapped around his neck. And my wife couldn't see that from the position that she was at. So when he comes out, the first thing that I see is, you know, head pops out and cord wrapped I mean it was a and it was a really long cord, and so I see cord around his neck and internally, I just kind of like lose it inside because I'm like, the cord is around his neck. And so I I remember reaching out to the doctor and I was like, doctor, what's going on? And the OB, bless his heart, he was (laughs) the the smoothest guy, but he pulls the baby out and immediately just kind of whips that cord right off. um, And everything was fine. And he's like, oh, no, it's fine. You know, they did the APGAR score and, and the APGAR score came back well. But I just think to myself, like, what if it wasn't fine? Um, I would have that, I mean, cause for, for weeks after I could see that image in my head of baby out cord around his neck. And that was something that my wife didn't see. So I think that's one example of traumatic things that can happen to fathers, even when everything goes right. And I think, what if things weren't right? What if things weren't okay with my baby and, you know, the, the absolute worst thinkable impossible thing happened. And what if my baby had had not made that, um, and what images what I would have been left with for, you know, months and months after that. So I think there's experiences like that. I mean, if mom gets rushed to an emergency C section, um, if baby comes out and, and something's wrong. There's a lot of experiences that fathers can have during the birth that that are very traumatic.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. I think hearing these personal stories and having examples, people will be able to maybe see themselves in that story and have these conversations and kind of ask like, well, what was the experience like for you? Because so many times, you know, we talk to moms about what was your birth experience like and what was your birth story? And this isn't to say that we shouldn't be talking to moms either, but just talking to both the couples, like, well, yeah, like dad, how was that labor and delivery for you? Because it can be very scary with seeing somebody that you love so much and your, your baby in a position where you feel helpless and out of control is a very hard place to be. And yeah, like you said, your wife didn't really know what was going on, but you saw very clearly that there could have been a problem and that that was hard for you to process and you you still had to process that after the birth for some time. So how can we help dads who may kind of relate to that experience, who are working through that trauma or who feel very disempowered in the birth room or pregnancy or postpartum or whatever, uh, recover from that experience? I,
0: I think it starts earlier. I think it starts with including dad in every phase of the pregnancy. So you know, I, I've had a few different experience with OBs where I, I attend most all visits with all three of our children. And and some of the OBs have been great. I walk in, hey, Dad, how you doing? How's life for you? Um, how are you adjusting? And and that's been great. And, and it's been like that all the way through. And I've had another OB who didn't know my name, didn't acknowledge me, and I came in every single, you know, appointment. So I think... We need to involve dads right away. Let's have let's have nurses and doctors involve dads. Let's have the um, postpartum care at hospitals involve dads and pediatricians and help dads feel like they are a part of this process. They're not just someone who you know is there when mom gets pregnant and you know is there sporadically throughout baby's life, but that they are there every step of the way and that they're needed and that they're wanted. And I think that sends a message to dads where if something does happen, then it's okay to speak up because I'm a welcomed part of this process and not a bystander.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, also understanding, looking at it from a place of inclusion too. I know there's there's a lot of concerns from couples that are, you know, lesbian, gay, um, queer couples there where they may not have identified as the partner or there are some barriers there too. And really making sure that, As healthcare practitioners that are out there, we are understanding and being inclusive of all the different types of families and parents that are out there. And also, you know, even looking at a provider and and letting them know your situation, if you don't identify as a a heteronormative couple, like, is this going to be a problem? And can you make sure that everybody feels included in this process? Because it is so important that we feel like we belong in that setting so we can get the best care possible. And... Do you have anything to say about that too? Like the experience of feeling welcomed?
0: Oh, we are, I would say that the research is woefully underdeveloped in terms of the transition to parenthood for LGBTQ plus individuals. Um, That's one area where I'm gonna definitely up you know, do an uptick in my research because their experience is different from mine. And they, you know, have different needs and um and different experiences. And those are valid and those need to be researched about how we can be inclusive. Um I think you're exactly right. We when it comes to pregnancy and we tend to really make it all about mom and baby and and to a certain extent that's it's appropriate, right? We need to make sure that that the baby is healthy and mom is healthy. But these babies and these moms are are in family systems right they have partners they have husbands wives and people who are important to them and that are very important for their their health and their development and so we need to stop looking at pregnancy as as a two-person thing but as three four or five people as as a family thing and be inclusive of, of who's ever there and who is ever a part of that process
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, also I love the idea of having, you know, partners attend the visits. Um, I think it's also, it is it is a, a matter of having the privilege to do so, you know, having the partner be able to take off of work and, you know, I'm a military spouse, so having your partner in the country even, um, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, there are some things that like I was able to do, we were able to do some Skype visits um, if he couldn't attend, or we were able to have him kind of call the nurse or the provider and get an idea of what's going on and just being as available and present as possible, even if it can't be every single appointment that they they visit. Just kind of making sure that your presence is known and that you want to hear what's going on so that you can help make the best decisions and, and be involved.
0: Oh, absolutely. Our, with our first two, our OB had later appointments. And so I remember going to a 6 p.m. appointment yeah. after after I worked. And so I would love to see some, some flexibility because you're right, a lot of partners or fathers, husbands, they want to be to the appointment, but they just can't. They don't have the benefit of of having time off work or paid time off or, or just the availability. And so I would love to see um, later appointments times, earlier appointment times, or just even a pamphlet that, hey, Take this home and give this to your partner. Uh, we want your partner to know that we're thinking about him or her and that, uh, what this experience is like for them and that we'd love to have them here too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, being available at appointments, too, or or having those pamphlets and handouts will be helpful to screen men, too, because EPDS, which we use to screen women for postpartum depression or perinatal mental health, can also be used for, for men. And that can happen during well visits with the baby. It can happen during the prenatal appointments. It can happen during the postpartum checkup. And so, you know, being able to do some screening of both partners, you know, hey, this is a random questionnaire that we give to everybody. We want both of you to take it can help us screen and identify both parties that may be experiencing mood disorders. Oh,
0: absolutely. I had one father in uh, my study about men's experience of postpartum depression. He said that he was sitting next to his wife and as she was going over the Edinburgh depression screening and he's like, I couldn't help but think that someone should be asking me these same questions. And so, yeah, it's, it's a golden opportunity to screen both partners for depression during the pregnancy, screen them afterwards. If, if both partners come to the screening for, you know, the pediatric follow-up for the baby, that's another opportunity that we have to screen parents. So I think there's, there's a lot of opportunities. It, It could be, Hey, you know, mom, you filled out the screening today. Do you notice some of these things in in your partner? What do you? How do you think your partner would fill some of these things out? So, even if partner's not there, we can ask and and see what, how mom thinks partner's doing too.
1: Yeah, and I and I say this because I know we have some health practitioners that are listening to the podcast, and we also have some really wonderful proactive moms that can you know take that questionnaire um, home from their provider, or you know ask if the partner can have it and kind of push for that fair and fair treatment and the the screening. That is deserved for both sides. So that's kind of why I mentioned it. It's definitely not standard practice, but it should be, and we can work to kind of uh, get that that proper care. So one thing I, I want to ask you too, and you know, to hearing all this information about partners struggling and making sure that we are reaching out to the, the men in our life, the the husbands in our life, what happens if you know, we we notice something. So let's say I am over at my friend's house and she's doing okay, maybe, but the partner isn't doing well. And I'm here I'm seeing some of the things that we're talking on the podcast that he is drinking more and pulling away and he seems like he's not himself. Is there a point where like what would what would I do in that situation? Because maybe the maybe the wife doesn't notice it, the the mom doesn't notice it, but other people do. Should we mm. say something to them? Should we say something to the mom? Like, how do we help these couples that may not realize that they're struggling?
0: I think it's absolutely appropriate uh, to say something. If you, you know, if you and your friend are talking and you're talking about how your experience is, I think it's appropriate to say, hey, you know, how's your husband, how's your partner dealing with this experience? This is, I know it's, you know, and you might share experiences, you know, with, with your own husband and you might say, Hey, you know, whatever your husband's name is, Chad or Phil, you know, Phil, this is really hard for, for him too, during this time, you know, uh, did you see some of these things in, in, in your husband as well? So I think normalizing it is one of the, best things we can do to let people know that they're not the weird ones that are struggling with this that hey i struggled with this too and then this was tough too and just reaching out i mean something as simple as if you if you see that another husband or another partner is struggling with it just ask them how their day is going ask them how how you know, how they're bonding with their baby or how the experience has been. And you might ask, hey man, what's the toughest thing about it? This was really tough for me and and share an instance that that was tough for you. So I think normalizing this experience and sharing your own experience can help people feel more open to share their own.
1: And you know, what else can be really helpful too is if you feel like, you know, maybe you in in your, your relationship as a couple, your husband or your partner, is open and willing to talk about the experience and how hard it is. Maybe even if it's comfortable for both parties, being like, well, yeah, like if your husband ever wants to talk to my husband about like the transition and the struggle and kind of connecting them in that way. Because from what I understand, talking to Dr. Daniel Singley, he says that a lot of times dads do really well in groups. And when they're talking to peers about the struggles and the hardships and just having that other person to vent to and just be like, yeah, I experienced that too. And like, this is what helps. Having that friendly conversation with somebody that is like-minded and like going through the same things can be extremely helpful. So that's something that I try to do too. If I notice that one of my friend's partners is struggling, I'm like, Hey, yeah, if you have any questions, like call my husband, he loves to talk about this kind of stuff.
0: Oh, absolutely. i um, lucky for me. I mean, my wife is very open about her experience with it. So I'm able to, to, to tell that to my friends, Hey, if you ever need to talk about this experience, you know, me and my wife have both gone through this and we're willing to talk to either one of you.
1: Very cool. Well, I would love to sit and talk to you for the rest of the day. Just kind of (laughs) understanding, you know, your perspective, I think it's just really great that we understand how to help and support each other and make sure that we strengthen our bonds as a couple. So, you know, the the last thing that I want to pick your brain about before we go, though, is, you know, you've also done research on the impact of pregnancy and relationships and things like loss or mental health concerns are really challenging for pu- couples to work through. So what have you found in your research to be helpful for staying strong as a couple after experiencing loss or postpartum depression and anxiety?
0: Mm-hmm. I think it goes back to, for me, the zero-sum game. I would say that couples often have trouble feeling like like their experience is okay. They, they either are so worried about taking care of their partner that they don't share their own experience. Uh, and by doing that, sometimes there's resentment. Sometimes I've seen fathers feel like, well, I know that my wife is struggling, and so I've got to I've got to support her and I've got to protect her during this time. Um, and so they, they hold in their own stuff. And as a result, they get resentful that they're not able to share their experience. And so I think as a couple, take time to check in with each other. If you've experienced loss or um, depression or grief or any any difficult thing associated with, with this pregnancy and the transition to parenthood, I would say Take time to check in with one another. Say, hey, you know, this is what my experience is like. What has your experience like been like this? because um, oftentimes we're experiencing the same things, but we're experiencing them in different ways. And so I think taking the time to to just sit down and have conversations about how things are going together as a couple is as is, is beneficial as anything.
1: No, that's great advice. And I think, you know, that also ties into one of the questions that we had of, you know, how do I know if my husband is grieving or not? Or how do I know that he is... You're like I don't think that he's grieving um, but he should be type of thing and it's like well yeah I mean he he really might be and it's worth having that conversation so that you can understand because his grieving might look different than your grieving you know his grieving might not be crying it might be having that extra drink or coming home late from work or pulling away and distancing himself from the family versus you know sobbing into a pillow like yours is so it's just really great to open up that conversation and ask the question how are you doing and a allowing whatever is said to be okay and acceptable. And then, yeah, like you said, being able to go into therapy as a couple.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, men are, I would say men are masters of isolation. So we, we're going to preoccupy our things with self. Uh, a man who is experiencing great loss or grief, he might all of a sudden become a, an awesome employee, and he just in, just throws himself 100% into his work. And so his, his boss or someone might think he's being super productive when really that's how he's coping with his loss is by just diving headfirst into work. Um, like you said, it might also be alcohol. It might be drugs. It, it could be video games. I've heard a lot of a spouses say, you know, he used to play games a little bit, but now that's that's all he does. He comes home and he's, you know, he's on the Xbox or he's on the PlayStation until he goes to bed. Um, some people in, engage in extramarital affairs or other things like that, and so they're going to deal with that grief, and they're, and, and they're going to find a way to, and oftentimes it's not a healthy way
1: yeah absolutely and then from your perspective it kind of looks like they're being a jerk right like well what's going on like they're playing video games and they're not wanting to be at home and it really isn't them trying to be mean it's just how they're coping with the loss and so i think that communication is so important and can help you know resolve a lot of conflict or potential conflict that can happen in relationships so thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom i can't wait to get it out for our community to listen and i'd love to give them some next steps if they want to connect with you or learn more about your research. So where can they find you?
0: Uh, The first, I guess, best place where you find me would be on my Facebook page. It's uh, Dr. Brandon Eddy Uh, on Facebook. I'm also on Psychology Today as well, Uh, Dr. Brandon Eddy there as well. And then um, I'm a professor in the couple and family therapy program at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And uh, we have a, a website for our program online there um, as well. And so I can be found at at any of those three areas.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. I'll put all the links to that in our show notes so people can find you. So again, appreciate your time. This was wonderful chatting with you. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
0: Absolutely. It It was great. Thank you so much for having me and for and for really bringing light to a topic that isn't covered enough you know it's it's men are really underserved in in terms of postpartum depression and and grief and loss and and this whole transition to parenthood and so what you are doing is is amazing and and you're a great ally for fathers and, and for men in general and i i appreciate it
1: oh thank you so much that means a lot i appreciate you We hope you enjoyed today's episode on postpartum loss and depression from a father's perspective. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our partner, Rasa. Remember, you can use code WholeMamas at checkout over at wearerasa.com to get 20% off your first order. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us out by sharing our podcast with your mama friends. You can take a screenshot of wherever you're listening to this episode and post it on social media or write us a review on iTunes. And always remember that the views and ideas presented on this podcast are for informational purposes only. All information, content, and material presented is for informational purposes and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. Consult with your provider before starting any diet, supplement regimen, or to determine the appropriateness of the information shared on this podcast, or if you have any questions regarding pregnancy or your prenatal treatment plan. Now go on, have a great day, and nourish and nurture yourself and your family.